Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome ass. Yo, yo, ah, now. Tune in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock out cold faster. Talking shit, now we talking facts. Where the man are off the back. You in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about a double. It's the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a death. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow disease. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, how Jermaine Sterling uh, It ain't shit, it ain't shit Motherfucker What's up guys, welcome back to the weekly Scraps episode 166 UFC 272 is upon us we are getting so close so close to one of the greatest rivalries to ever had witnessed and bless the octagon with some savagery that we are going to now get to watch as these two young men older men get to take each other out and see who is who very fun fight kobe chaos covington taking on jorge game bread miles vida I don't know why I'm talking in his voice, but I like it a lot. I don't know if it is an African or if it is a Caribbean voice. But either way, it is something that we can look back and take and see that it is something of a very unique style and representative of all my capabilities and what I possess. That was more African. But if we want to take it back to the island and you don't know, so we can take it there, you know, and things are going to get super Chris and Irie. Now let's begin the show, no man. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we got a big fight card this weekend. Obviously, I'm training for my big fight, UFC 273, which is also around the corner. Super excited about that. But real quick before we get into that, quick little recap. Obviously, I didn't do a, a podcast last week for the fight night. Makachev versus Bobby Green taking it on very short notice, 10 days notice. We saw how that fight played out. Um... I want to touch on that before we get into UFC 272, but before we do that, I want to give you guys today's sponsor. Of course, it is DraftKings. Anytime there is a pay-per-view card coming up, I got to bring it to you, and that is DraftKings, the one and only sports betting app that I use. So, when Covington and Masvidal step into the octagon this Saturday, UFC 272, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for new customers. Bet just $1 on the main event and get $100 in free bets, no matter what. Could be a first-round knockout, majority draw, double KO, resulting in a no contest. No matter what the outcome, you're going to get paid. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, <clears throat> you can feel the thrill of UFC 272 with DraftKings free to play pools. Everyone can enter a free pool with $10,000 in prizes. Answer a handful of questions like how long the fight will last, um, who will walk out the winner and follow along to track your results? Your call to action is simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FUNKMASTER. Throw down just $1 on UFC 272 main event and get $100 in free bets no matter the outcome. No matter the outcome, guys. That's code FUNKMASTER this Saturday DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited, minimum $5 deposit. Gaming problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call 1-0-TEX. The Tennessee uh, red line, 1-800-899-9789. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org. 
org slash slash. And in New York, we got this whole bunch of other things. See DraftKings.com for full details on everything else. Okay, so here we are. Let's get into it. But before we get into it, I actually want to give you guys a quick recap. So my week, obviously, still getting ready for the fight. Uh, Monday, we had a nice grind. Uh, just getting back into the flow of things from coming back from the fights. We had a kind of a tough weekend, so to speak, ring of combat, Bellator, we had about seven people fighting, and I think we went two for two out of seven, two out of five, so two out of seven. Um, Dennis won. I think his was a split also. Split, yes, yeah, split decision also. Um, and Justin Montalvo won, moving himself to five and zero. Oh. Justin, kid, marvelous. Uh, great fight for him. Got a finish in the first round. Dennis split decision, gutted out a, a tough performance. We had some other great fights with James Gonzalez. Um, split decision loss to Phil Caracapa. Uh, Lauren fought tough. Manny uh, had a tough fight. Um, we we had some 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 strong performances. Not our best weekend overall, but sometimes these things happen. We can't always expect to just go up, especially as a team. Sometimes things happen. You get tougher matchups, and sometimes it's just not your night, depending on who's sitting in the judges' seat. We had two uh, split decisions. One went our way. One did not. So I had to travel all the way down after just getting back from Vegas. Uh, I traveled all the way down, got my work in, and that Friday morning I did BJJ, and then I I jumped in the car with Steamroller. Uh, We had a commute all the way down to AC after BJJ training, and uh, he had two of his boys. Um, That was a very interesting ride. We got to talk, chop it up a bit. We actually talked about OnlyFans because I I, I told him that um, my manager, Oren, he he got me into the OnlyFans space, and I was kind of reluctant to doing this because, guys, what do we know OnlyFans to be known for, right? So knowing that he's now into moving into that space with the, I, I don't want to say the owners, but someone who represents them for the marketing and the budgeting and all that, and he's going to handle all that stuff for, like, um, the athletes coming in from MMA. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to switch to more to kind of like a full service and not that type of full service, more like a uh, family-friendly platform, kind of like a Twitter, because Twitter, they they still have porn stars on there giving BJs and getting rammed, and kids that are are young could get on there and watch. You know what I mean? So it's kind of weird how Twitter's got that space, but... It's, uh, it could be used for a political platform and all these other things. And just if you want to just talk shit and chirp people, you could do that. And you can have stuff like that, that type of content on there while also still pushing positivity. Not that one specific platform, but other people on there. You know, it's just one of those things. It's a well-diverse platform, and that's what OnlyFans are trying to do. They're trying to move to a more diverse platform and trying to get away from that stigma of this is what they're known for because that's not what they want to bring to the table. They want to bring entertainment. They want to bring real content creators that are going to give you the goods, whether it's cooking or MMA training or fitness training, all that type of stuff. So I'm actually glad I'm uh, a part of the family and they got to break it down to me so I understand what's exactly going on because at first I was kind of like, I don't know, this is the type of thing I want to get involved with. But after understanding the direction that they're trying to go to, it made sense and... um, it's going to help also pay the bills, which is full disclosure, you know, so go check out my own fans is actually free funk master MMA. I'm going to be posting more content, especially leading up to my fight and uh, just giving some more behind the scenes look at some of the training that I'm doing so people can be with me. You know, obviously these guys are paying me the most out of everybody. So I'm like, well, I'm going to give these guys over Instagram who pays me dick shit. 
they don't pay me anything, you know? So for me to be actually monetizing something and have a platform like that, I'm going to direct the traffic over to where I'm actually getting taken care of. And I think it's only right, you know? So um, go check out that Funkmaster MMA. So we had that conversation. We get to AC. Uh, I was able to take a nap in Delemi's room, got to relax a little bit. So th this is just how people can get to understand, like, some of the things we got to go through. Like, I don't just train and only care about myself. It's a very selfish sport, but I try my best to be there for my teammates as best as possible. Um, try to lend a hand. I'm coaching. I'm teaching at the gym. So when I'm in Vegas, I'm not doing it, obviously. But when I come back to New York, I still run the classes. Like, today's Monday. Monday, motivation. I'm going. I got my work in today with Adrian Giannis, who just flew in um, Yesterday, I picked him up. Uh, we, we tightened the cage, fixed the cage up. So now the cage has no longer has that huge belly and all the, 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 the octagon sides. And we can actually keep our backs upright and actually properly defend takedowns now and not just fall into a belly where guys can just drop down and grab our legs and pull us down because we're already sitting in a squatted position, you know? So we got to do that yesterday. Then I went to go. I picked up Giannis on, in the process. I didn't do too much of the work, but I like to say, you know, I... I was there for moral support, where um, comedic relief, as Big Ed would like to say, giving, making sure I, I gave the jokes and some laughter to kind of take the, the load off of the work that was being done. Um, I don't know anything about fences. All I know is we got to try to pull this thing tighter and make it good. And they did all the brains of the work, him and James Gonzalez. James works in construction right now, so shout out to him and Big Ed because they did the majority of the work. They've been there almost at 7.15. James got there about 7.45, 8. And they didn't leave till about 6 p.m. at night, you know. So they 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 did a lot on a Sunday. Um, so doing all that, and even what I was saying, I'm good to get to AC, take a nap, uh, recharge the battery, and then I go down and I'm helping these guys warm up, getting ready for their fights now, and just trying to uh, give this my support as much as I can, whether that's physically or uh, mentally, if I can give them some of the some of the knowledge that I have if I see positions while I'm in the crowd or wh whether I'm in the corner and try to help get these guys a, a better chance or help them succeed to, to make sure they could get on the same track and the same path to getting their hand raised and things like that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you can do this. It is a selfish sport. You're the one that's getting in there, but it does take some hands to help push you and help develop and mold you um, so that you have people that can give you those looks and things like that so that you can get to these positions um, to even have success that I've had. And I want to make sure these guys get an opportunity to enjoy that as well because I got to reap and I still do get to reap the benefits of it. And again, it's about these guys being a part of the squad and being team players because they can easily be like, nah, I'm good. I, I want to take off. I don't want to be around. But these guys are back in the gym already helping me out now for my fight. And I, I appreciate that, you know. So that was, what was the, the one month, I think it was October, I flew back three times to corner guys. So I flew back for the weekend for the fights, flew back to Vegas to, to stay on my PT to get me ready for um, my comeback and my return after the fight was canceled. And I flew back to New York and then I flew back to Vegas and I flew back to New York. And I'm just like, dude, this is, this is kind of crazy. Like my body is feeling it. And uh, this is just some of the things that uh, I do, you know, so I, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here to help. And uh, it's, it's cool to have a, a family kind of like this, you know, um, we literally bleed together. Um, we win together, we lose together. And, uh, there's, I don't think there's a deeper bond, you know, other than maybe a mother and her child, that type of thing, but, or parents and their child, but yeah, man. So it, it's been, been a whirlwind. So to end the week of last week, 
So I did that Monday. We got the grappling in. I did a little bit of a strength and conditioning in the morning. And Tuesday, uh, I was supposed to do some grappling. Uh, so I helped the kids wrestle for states. So the, you have the state qualifier. I helped them wrestle. I went Monday, Tuesday morning, and then uh, Tuesday night. So Monday, I grappled again. And Tuesday night, I went to... Uh, did I go to Sarah's? No, I don't think I went to Sarah's. I think I did something else. I went to the boxing with Ray. We So we... We had some. We had a good, good, strong week. Where to the point, my triceps were so burnt out from just like trying to lock it out. I felt so much pain just from it being fully extended because of how much I was using it, squeezing. And uh, I'm glad we got through that week because I need to make sure I put in all the electrolytes back into me. Wednesday we did some grappling again, but more so striking for MMA, like the beginning stuff. Then we ended with some grappling, like technical stuff. So. Say th this is the drill. So you guys can actually try this at home. This is this is the type of stuff I want to post on like the OnlyFans. I'm throwing a jab with my partner, and I'm for beginners. We start by just slipping inside. You can work slipping. Um, sorry, slipping inside. So if both guys are orthodox, they're throwing a lefty jab. I'm my my jab would be lefty defending. I'll be slipping inside. I can slip to the outside. I can bend down to slip, um, or bob. Uh, I can pull. So that's kind of like just moving my back foot just out of the way and then coming right back so I can counter with my strikes if that's what I want to do. Or uh, now we, we do that. Now we we slip whichever way you do it and you're looking for a counter with either two or three punches or one, depending on your skill set, what you're trying to work. So if I want to slip inside and right hand over the top, so I slip, bang, bang them. And now I'm working reaction time. So now your partner's throwing slow punches and then the bigger, the more experience you are the better your your reflexes are the more skilled your your partner can be and controlled this is going to give you a controlled environment with the variables and you know what you're kind of doing then they can start to pick up the speed on the jab and now you're slipping and you're seeing the punches at a faster speed so your eyes have to train now your partner could do it at a basic rhythm jab jab or you could switch it up and your partner could kind of move around and then jab. And now you got to react. Now it's more real time. Now I'm level changing, moving my hands, boom, jab. Now you got to react. And then now you got to look for your, your combinations and look for those, those fit-ins for your, for your takedown entries and, and those type of things. So it gets a little bit more complex when you start to add more versatility to it like that. And now you have more of a variety of looks where now I'm faking and now I'm doing an up jab or something or moving around. Now I'm doing like a, almost like a slingshot, but almost like a shovel uppercut jab. But everything's still coming straight and you still got to slip the same way um, and figure out which way you want to slip on certain punches. Then we move that on to like a one, two and then learning how to pillar block because we still have a lot of green guys in these advanced classes. So I want to make sure these younger guys are still getting some work. And it gives me an opportunity to work on some of the very, very basic stuff that seems boring and monotonous. It's like, okay, I don't want to do that. Let's just spar. That's what most people do. But when you start doing drills like this, this is where you get sharper. You upgrade the hardware without damaging the software. Or should I say, uh, upgrade the software without damaging the hardware, as Connor famously put one time, you know. So you upgrade your software. Now you're getting better, better, better. You're increasing your your brain, your reaction time, sensitivity, and you're not damaging your body and getting beaten up um, like you would if you were like actually landing and hitting each other or if you would if you were actually sparring or going live in a grappling situation, you know. So it's more technical work, and I think that's the things that people need to do a little bit more of if they want to see more growth in their game. So that was Wednesday. We sparred um, Thursday. Marab and I, we did four rounds, crazy pace. Um, 
and I, I'm in a good spot being, I was six and a half weeks out at that point. And for me, I felt like, dude, I, I'm, I could fight tomorrow if I needed to, you know? So I'm, I'm good to go, man. I'm, I'm super pumped to get back out there for you guys. And I can't wait to put on a show once again for you guys. Um, other than that, that was the week Saturday. I, I did kind of a modified thing with Dennis and that was a little bit easier. Um, in terms of training, but it was still a high output. I'm trying to find this DraftKings sports book. But overall, we, we got some good work in, and, and that's what I'm most happy about. Making sure I'm getting some quality, quality work, because that's when things could become a pain in the arse. You know? So uh, this week, like I said, Giannis, we picked him up yesterday. Um, today, we, we got a good circuit training lift in this morning. Tonight, we got some MMA grappling, which I'll be teaching for, and the rest of the week, we're going to kind of figure it out. So Tuesday, we're, we're planning to go to Sarah's at 7 a.m., the 7 a.m. class, and then 7, 6.30 p.m. class at Sarah's again for Tuesday night, because he wants to get some good grappling in and take advantage of being here and getting the grappling, and the same thing for myself. I want to take advantage of him being a high-level striker and getting to see those looks and those... Uh, those punches and things like that from a guy who's clean, crisp, and, and doesn't really telegraph his shots. He's not like shoulders out and everything. It's, it's kind of smooth, flowy, and pop, you know, pop, 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 throwing quick hands, crisp hands, and getting to see that and training my eyes once again to keep me sharp, man, because right now I feel like a weapon, and I just need to make sure that as much of a weapon I am, that everything else up here is dialed in and everything is sharp, you know? Uh, so let's get into it. You'll see 272, Kobe Covington taking on Mahiral. Now, this is a great fight. Let's look to DraftKings. DraftKings has Kobe Covington at a minus 320 and Masvidal at a plus 250. Now, I don't remember the last time seeing Masvidal this high of an underdog, maybe against Darren Till or something. I would have to look back and try to see when I could find where I could find that. Because I don't I don't remember ever seeing that that big of a underdog. Maybe against Ben Askren. Maybe, and I, but who knows? I, I really don't know because I don't really follow the odds all that crazy for every single fight. But this is one of those things where Kobe is a huge favorite. His record is 16-3, Masvidal 13-35-15. Now, Masvidal coming off of a knockout loss to Usman and a loss before that to Usman via decision. And before that, he beat Nate Diaz, Ben Askren, and Darren Till. Uh, Kobe Covington lost to Usman, his last one, beat Woodley before that, and before that, he lost to Usman um, by TKO, and before that, he was on a crazy run, um, beat everybody outside of Worley Alves when he got to the UFC, so he was on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fight win streak, talked up a huge game, and here he is today getting another big marquee spot for a title Eliminator, and maybe not Eliminator because you got Hamza who's right there and you got Leon Edwards, but whoever wins this will be right in the mix in terms of name value and popularity and uh, just performance because I would imagine whoever wins this is probably going to have a really good performance. I can't see this being like just completely boring because of all the animosity that goes behind it. I think it's going to be a, a make great for entertainment and TV because I do think these guys can't wait to punch each other in the face. Now, the one thing I will say about this it's kind of unfortunate, like, the way that this storyline was built up. The last time we ever seen anything like this that I can remember was Rashad Evans, John Jones. Friends, the, the student came in, the mentor and Rashad Evans, um, same weight class, 
unlike these guys were different weight class, but the whole time these guys were the same weight class. John rises through the ranks. Rashad gets injured, gets offered a title shot. And then we kind of see that these guys start to slowly shift, I think, even before that, because I feel like they probably felt like a collision course was destined to happen. And I don't think it was a situation like a Makachev and a Nurmagomedov, Khabib, where these guys wouldn't have fought each other with John Jones and Rashad. Now, here we go, another situation just like this. And it's kind of unfortunate because I do feel like these guys were really cool. And I do think Kobe really did look up to Masvidal. And I know they can say whatever they want to say in the public eye. Like, I know Masvidal, I was listening to that interview he did with Romandi. And he was saying, like, he felt like some of the stuff Kobe would say to him that he kind of had to hold his distance a little bit because a lot of the things he would tell him, he just felt like it was questionable in terms of his personality. Like, if you're willing to talk bad about these people who you've known for so long and your family, blah, 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 like, what are you willing to say about me when I'm no longer around you or not around to hear what you're saying? And I felt that. I 100% felt that. And maybe maybe Kobe felt safe enough to confide in Masvidal. Well, he felt like that was his safe space. And he felt like he had a connection and he could say whatever he wanted to say. And that would just be cool. So I, I look at that and I'm just like, there's so many different ways that this this can go. Because you can't get inside any of these guys' head to really know how they felt. And I think that's the issue for me. Now, Masvidal taking him in. He said about eight, nine months he lived with him. They were main training partners. But once... Masvidal went up to 170. He also said, like, the trainings kind of stopped. Like, they weren't training with each other as much anymore. And I thought that was very telling because maybe Masvidal saw himself on a collision course with Kobe before Kobe saw himself on a collision course with Masvidal, or who knows. Or maybe Kobe saw it first and he was the one, like, trying to avoid the training sessions knowing that they might possibly fight kind of thing. This is where Masvidal's coming from the show. And I my thing is going back to like my point is two friends like this, I feel I feel it's very unfortunate that it has to come to this type of uh ending. You know, I feel like they could have fought and it could have been respectful. And even then it's still like for me, friends, I feel like there's so many guys to fight. It is kind of a but it also depends on the bond. I don't want to say it shouldn't happen, but it depends on the bond between the two individuals. I couldn't see myself doing that with someone that I train with, help me cut weight. They're like almost like going to grab stuff for me and I do the same for them when it's their fight week and making sure that they're okay and I'm checking on their family, they're checking on my family, making sure my girlfriend's okay. It's a, it's a tough situation to be in. I think that's the difference. I think Masvidal had a point when he said, you know, he did this all for a dollar. And I get Kobe Covington's point where he's like, I came here to make money, not to make friends. Okay. Both have a fair argument, but it's just like, was Kobe deceitful in his ways when he came into the team and knowingly knew like when I get to a certain point or did he establish this early on? Like, Hey man, I'm here to make money by any means necessary. Like if he had did something like that, okay. No one could actually be mad at him. I don't think you could be mad at him because you already know what time it is. You see what I'm saying? I just felt like he maybe not have... I, I just don't think that he went about it that way. And that's what leaves a bad taste in Masvidal's mouth where it's just like... 
dude, you you came here and you were on some fake love shit, and here we are now. I can't wait to punch you in the face. Super necessary. I just think when people are friends like this, I, I just hate these type of stories because it's like, damn, dog, like you guys can't like resolve this in any other way. And they're both going to get paid good money. I hope they're both making pay-per-view points because normally champs do not make pay-per-view. I think Masvidal was one of the exceptions outside of Conor McGregor. I wonder if Kobe Covington is in that same contract category. So for you guys that don't know, the standard champion contract is that when you fight for a title, you get pay-per-view points at X amount rate. Different weight classes get different percentages based on per buy once they reach a certain threshold. So not every contract is exactly the same, but for the most part, they're pretty damn identical. The lighter weight classes get paid almost a set guaranteed number. This is like the, the baseline number that most challengers get and then the champs get. And the same thing happens vice versa for the higher weight classes and especially like heavyweight, you know. So things could be different depending all those things. Now, Kobe Covington, big name. Draws a lot of eyes. This is a lot of bad blood. I would imagine that they tried to negotiate something or a bigger guarantee up front to kind of secure the bag, so to speak. You know, that's that's really what it comes down to. Try to secure the bag based on this animosity that we all know the UFC is going to make a shit ton of money from. Because I think a lot of people want to see this matchup because it's been built up for so long. And I'm excited to see it because I think Masvidal doesn't play any games. He's a big star. He's he might have had the, a tough loss the last two, but he's been in a position where he won those fights that made him just blow up and explode. Darren Till, um, Ben Askren, and what was the other one? Nate Diaz, the BMF belt. So when you factor all those things in, I, again, this makes for great TV, but it's unfortunate that I do think this is going to spill over even outside of the fight. I think outside of the fight, these guys might still fight. I think. I think Kobe would probably be willing to let it go. I think Masvidal, on the other hand, and I don't I don't know him personally in the sense of like we've hung out, we've, we did hang out, but I don't know him personally in the sense of like I know his persona. I know the type of dude that he is. Like once it's done, the beef is done, it's done. Like he did what he had to do, he's done. I can see him holding a grudge and be like, nah, screw this guy, he's a piece of shit, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I can see that. I think most people can, and that would be justified, and I don't think anyone could be mad at him for it, but I'm hoping that when the fight's over, these two can go their separate ways, but you do know if Kobe loses, he's going to be talking a lot of shit. If he wins, he's going to be talking a lot of shit, and that's why I think no matter what happens, I can see this spilling over into something else. I think in the moment, it'll be some maybe respectful talk, and then after that, once the cameras come back on, I think the show begins all over again, but either way... I'm here for it, and I just want to see a great competition. Um, not even a great competition, a great fight, because these guys are going to fight. These guys aren't looking to compete. Um, that was a long segment on those guys. Honestly, I, I don't really want to even do too much of the other ones, um, so I'm probably not going to go in depth with a whole lot of these. I, I do think Masvidal, he's got the quick hands. I think Covington with the grappling, the pace. I think Masvidal working with Bo Nickel is going to be huge for him. I wonder how consistently he's been doing that, how many times a week, because that's how you know it can stay fresher in your mind if you're really, really hammering it home and making sure that you're getting that consistent work in because that's when things start to become second nature and start to become instinctual rather than you trying to think about it in the moment, in the process, and trying to see if you actually retained the knowledge of where to go, where to move. Like, you know the move, but your body's just not doing it the way that you want it to like it is for just throwing a one, two, three, pop, 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 a three-piece in a soda, you know? 
Uh, and Covington, in this pace, we know his volume. He's durable. He's tough. Um, we know he can take a punch. We know he can dish it. He's not the, the most powerful puncher, but he can crack a bit. And he's willing to put his face on the line to, to push the pace and try to drag you to deep waters and get you tired. Up and down, up and down, up and down. He's okay with that. So this is a very interesting fight for me. I do feel that Covington should be the favorite going into this one just based on the last three performances. But at the same time, you can't sleep on Masvidal. He has a way of visionizing, just envisioning things. And then once he does that, he kind of just pulls the trigger like we've seen with the Ben Askren doing it in the back room and then going out there and doing it the way he did and, and sleeping him like that was insane. Insane. Almost like Nostradamus-like, you know what I mean? So I think Masvidal's going to have some tricks up his sleeve. It's just whether or not he could do it in the first few early rounds. That's my personal opinion. Because I do think the longer this fight goes, the more it's going to favor Covington. And I do think Masvidal said a good thing. If he can conserve his energy where he needs to conserve his energy and explode where he needs to explode, I think he could force Covington to use more energy than himself and use that against him where he's working hard to get a takedown. Masvidal staying upright but relaxing in certain positions and then needing to squeeze what he needs to squeeze in this way when they break or if he can get back to center he can tee off and land some couple of shots off the break of the clinch and i think that's going to be very very important and i think whoever can establish their game the most um and be more effective which is the fight game they're going to win this fight um i like both guys i can't decide i think masvidal has a puncher's chance to win and i think he could do well over the course of five rounds but i do think covington has been tenacious with getting takedowns of just about everybody. Even Uzma, he got him down, I think, twice. Um, not for very long, but even being able to get down a strong, powerful guy like that and him not being the biggest welterweight. Masvidal also not being a, a big welterweight. He's more of a 55er, but he's got a big frame to fight at welterweight if he lifts and all that, but I don't think he's really like focused on lifting to get strong and get jacked, and I think that would take away from his fast switch muscles. But these guys are relatively close in size is what I'm getting at. So I think this makes it for an even more fun matchup. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. Uh, we got RDA taking on Fazeev, the Battle of the Raphaels. This should be a really fun fight. Um, Fazeev is a minus 260. RDA is a plus 210. I do think RDA... Is in this fight, especially from a grappling standpoint, I mean, Brad Riddell took Fasiv down and just kind of just let him up both times when he had him on all fours in a tripod position. I was confused. I'm like, this could be in a situation where you could try to get him tired and wear him down a little bit unless you're worried about yourself getting tired. I think RDA, he's willing to go through that kind of a grind in a three-round matchup. I think the winner of this takes that next step forward in this lightweight division and catapults himself to be the next main player in that lightweight division as a a threat to the lightweight crown. And that's my personal opinion. If you look at all the guys in the top five, most of them are coming off losses. And I think this would be a really, really nice shakeup to break that up. RDA, former champion. Um, if he gets a big win over a huge prospect, a dangerous prospect like Fazeev, this is going to put him right back in that spotlight and give him an opportunity once again to push for another title run. RDA, though, he is 37 years old. And Fazeev... Still a young bull at 28 years young. This is going to be a bond burner. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Fazeev, his kickboxing, Muay Thai is phenomenal to watch. He throws everything super hard. I'm just surprised with the, the amount of kicks he throws, why no one just checks one kick. I feel like if you check one kick, yeah, it might hurt you. But, dude, 
you're going to deter him from wanting to throw those leg kicks the way he throws them. Because sometimes he'll just whip them without like an actual setup up top, just up here, moving his hands, and then he'll just crush a leg kick. And I'm just like, dude, I'm telling you, just lift one. And if he checks it, if you can check it, great. And I think that's going to hurt you both. But I think it's going to hurt that guy a lot more, a heck of a lot more. And I want him to take that to hopefully have him not throw any more of those baseball bats at my leg anymore, you know? So uh, that's the way I look at that one. But this should be a good fight. I think Rafael Dos Anjos obviously got some decent wrestling, but I think his grappling, BJJ Black Belt, I think that can help give him some some situations that can help favor him over Fazeev if he can get him there. I think that's going to be a tough part because Fazeev is pretty damn explosive, and I, I think he's going to be a tough guy to just hold down but um, if anyone could do it, I think RDA's got a good chance. A guy like him or Darius, that type of thing, or at least to wear him down and see what happens. I mean, in the fight with Bobby Green, he looked like he slowed down quite a bit in that third round after having such an explosive first and second. And Bobby started to um, show that he was uh, still in the fight and still having a lot of success in that third round of their, their matchup. Now, Edson Barbosa taking on Bryce Mitchell. The odds for this for DraftKings Sportsbook, Barbosa is a plus 130, and Bryce is a minus 150 favorite. So, very, very close odds, but Bryce coming in at the favorite. This should be a good one. Bryce, 14-0, Arkansas, Darkensaw, check out his raps. He's 27 years old. Barbosa, uh, a guy who's been around forever. Now, he's beat Andre Feely, Charles Rosa, Matt Sales, Bobby Moffitt, Tyler, uh, Tyler Diamond. Before losing to Bracketono in the Ultimate Fighter in round three, ran a choke, but after that, he kind of went on a tear. Barbosa coming off of a heartbreaker loss to Chikadze. Before that, beating Burgos, uh, Amir Makwani. Uh, Makwan Amirkani. Wow, I said his name really bad. And before that, losing to Ige, Felder, Gaethje, beating Hooker, losing to Lee and Khabib. So he's had a tough up and down in his career. He was on a three-fight skid and then came back 1-2, then lost one. I do think this is a good opportunity for Barbosa to get back on track. But to say he's going to just walk through Bryce, I think, is an understatement. Bryce is a very, very tough, durable dude. I posted videos of me and him training, him and I training. And he's very unassuming. He's stronger than he looks. And uh, his grappling is very, very unorthodox. And I think that's where he can cause some problems for a guy like Barbosa pushing Barbosa back, keeping him on his heels, or being far enough on the outside where Barbosa may feel like he's dictating the pace. We even seen with the Chikaze fight, he was dictating the pace all first round, Chikaze on his bike, doing what he needed to do, getting out of the way, kicks, making Barbosa expend a lot of energy. I always compare him to Marlon Marais. I feel like both guys are super built, super strong, super muscle bound, but then when it comes to how explosive they are, it seems like they, after one round, they, they tend to drop off fairly quickly, um, not all the time, not all the time at all, but for the, for the most part, it seems like that's what happens to both those guys, and they're both good friends, both Brazilian, um, I think they kind of grew up with each other a little bit, I think, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not saying like this was going to happen to Barbosa, but I think the blueprints there, Jamie Varner, I think Kevin Lee, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, I think if Mitchell could come out and do the same exact thing from a grappling standpoint, he can take Barbosa out this in a similar fashion. Um, but that's no easy out. Barbosa, we all know, very dangerous. Highlight real knockouts. But Neil Darius, um, Terry Adam, uh, man, he's he's finished a, 
a world of guys. Dan Hooker to the body with that was just a a nasty fight. Gilbert Melendez, well, that was the two way decision. Um, Evan Dunham, he's like, he's got a lot of a lot of fights in the UFC. He's been around for a while. He's a vet. 21, 22 and 10, Bryce Mitchell 14-0. So this is going to be a very, very fun fight. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, Bryce, he's looking to cook him to the bone. So if he can push forward, keep Barbosa on his toes, but he's got to be willing to eat a couple of shots and drag him down. If he could do that, I think he's going to have a good performance or um, I don't say make it look easy. Barbosa being, I believe that he is a black belt. I just never really see him use that BJJ. And I think if Bryce can get a hold of him, like I said, very unassuming. This is more of his weight class. Barbosa will be cutting a lot of weight. It's a very interesting fight. Striker versus grappler. Almost back to the UFC one days. Outside of the gi and the boxing gloves and the wrestling shoes, that type of thing. So it's going to be a fun fight. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, I like both guys. I know Bryce personally. I've met Barbosa a couple of times, but I know Bryce personally. We trained twice, so I'm definitely pulling for him, and I hope he can get the job done. Um, but, of course, I got to be honest here, and I know this is going to be a tough fight for him. I'm sure he knows he's in for a fight. And uh, if he can get to those dominant positions, get to the back of Barbosa, like he said, there might be a Category 5 twister um, coming on. As he tried to get me in that shit, too, when we were training at the PI. He's, he's, uh, he's crafty. He's savvy, and uh, he's very unassuming with his strength. I'm telling you, he's he's got some some good tricks, and uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, last one on the main card we're going to do is Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland coming at a minus 280 um, favorite, and Alex Oliveira is a plus 225 favorite. Now, what's Holland? 29 years old. He lost his... He lost. He had a no contest, accidental headbutt to Kyle Dawkins. They were supposed to fight again, and before that, he lost to Vittori and Derek Brunson at 85. I think this one is at 170. Yes, he's gone down a weight class. Um, Oliveira, 34 years old. He lost to Nico Price, Randy Brown, and Shavkat Rachmanov, who's also undefeated at 170. That guy is a savage, 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 savage. So this is a this is a good one. Kevin Holland, long range, long lanky. Oliveira, he's dangerous when he darts in, when he's on his um, toes, he's bouncing around. But then when he darts in, I think it was the right hand he'll throw in. Very dangerous, sneaky. But some of the past few fights, I feel like he kind of underperformed. I'm not taking anything away from the other guys. It just feels like he couldn't get going, or he just wasn't there mentally. And the other guys kind of just kind of ran through him, you know. So. I expect Holland to come out, talk to him a bit, even though I don't know if he understands English, but just talking, saying some shit, and getting in his head and uh, making a fun fight and landing his nice one-two, and I think that can sit Oliveira down and that could be a good night for Holland, whose reach is something stupid, if I'm not mistaken. What is his reach again? 81 inches, which is nuts. Oliveira's reach is 70 Six and a half, which isn't too bad, but Holland's got these long-ass dangly arms. Long-ass arms. Spivak taking on Greg Hardy. Jalen Turner taking on Jamie Malarkey. Um, Zhao Nan is taking on Marina Rodriguez. That should be a fun fight. <clears throat> Akapova taking on Mar- Mar- Marina Maroz. Nick Negoranu taking on Kennedy and, and Zuku Chakwaku. 
Zuchukwi, Zuchukwi. So some fun fights. Ludwig Klein taking on Devante Smith. Oh, Ludwig, I remember this guy. Tough dude. Uh, where's he from again? S Slovakia. 27, featherweight. Yes, this is going to be a big one, but he's on a two-fight losing skid, but still a tough, tough dude. Devontae Smith, this is going to be a fun one. Devontae, I think he had a really nice... Oh, he lost the last one to Malarkey after looking really, really good, but he had a, a great finish over Justin James. Really nice dude down in um, Extreme Couture. Uh... And looked really good against Malarkey until Malarkey, just one of those guys, puts on the pressure. Just keeps going, keeps cooking, keeps cooking, keeps cooking. Uh, Kobe taking on Olesi Chuck. He's got to watch out for that body shot. Uh, Tim Elliott taking on Tagir Unlock-Bekov. And this one I want to talk about. Umar Nurmagomedov, the cousin of Khabib. 13-0, coming back from a surgery. He's 25 years old. Dagestani, his last one, he beat the kid Sergey Morozov, ran naked choke in round two. Um, that was his debut. His fights on the regional circuit, his debut, he got a finish, finish, punches. So he's got a Peruvian necktie, ran naked choke, punches TKO, ran naked choke, decision, 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 ran naked choke, decision over Sidmar Honorio, a guy I fought way back in, I think, 2011 I fought him. He fought him as well, and he got a decision win over Sidiv, Sid, Sidmar Honorio. Man, that's so crazy. I fought this guy so long ago, 13 and 6. How old is he now? 41. Wow. Wow. Wow, he had like a long... Okay, man, he's been fighting still this whole time. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty tough competition. That, that was a... Tough fight for me. Really, really good. Henzo Gracie black belt. Um, then he beat Brian, Brian Gonzalez, rear naked choke, and then got another rear naked choke finish. So he's got a pretty good finishing percentage. But Kelleher, veteran, he's been in this position before. Now, it's whether or not he's going to rise to the occasion. He's beating tough guys. He's fought some stiff competition. He's beaten Hannah Burrell. He's fought Damian Stasiak. He fought uh, John Lineker, uh, Montel Jackson, Cody Stamen, Ricky Simone, Domingo Pilarte, Kevin Kroom, uh, Andy Main, Andre Sukumta. He's fought a lot of guys. Julio Arce, he beat Julio Arce twice. He lost to Marlon Vera. So he's been up and down. He's a veteran, been around the game for a very long time. Kelleher, 35 years old, 5'6", 64-inch reach. And Umar, 25 years old. What was his reach? 69 inches. Very, very fun fight. Um, Kelleher, Long Island guy. We used to train together way back weight. Sometimes we train uh, here and there in Long Island. I was hoping that I could be back in time to train with him for this one. Um, I like Umar. Cool dude. But uh, obviously, training with Kelleher, Long Island guy, I always back the guys that I really, really know and that I'm part of. Like, obviously, I know Umar. Uh, we didn't like hang out, but we've talked, we've chopped it up a bit and, um, really cool dude, but Kelleher, we've, we've trained together. We've shared food together. We've played in a, a fun band together, which is also on YouTube. You guys can actually find that. Um, I think it's called Los Fellas, uh, bomb squad. And, uh, we actually lived together back in the day when we first, first got started up in uh, Ithaca, New York. I forgot the name of the house. He actually sent me a picture of it. When he drove down to the outside, and I was like, this is actually hilarious. I haven't seen this house in so long. 
I don't remember what street that was. Um, he's kind of a trickster. He's got some some slick stuff. If you watch his fights, he gets he gets away with a lot of um, slick techniques that are unorthodox, like spinning back fists, and you know he he's got a lot of those type of things. And he's got some clean boxing, and he's got a really good check left hook. Umar, obviously, we know he's got that Khabib wrestling style. He's looking to put the 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 Rastafarian handcuffs on you, where he's going for a two on one, trapping your wrist, handcuffing half guard, and just beating you up from that inside control or behind your back while throwing knees or throwing short shots. Some solid BJJ as well, good sambo. Uh, he's got good footwork. He's very very hard to cut the corner on and to cut off and uh, slow him down because he's quick. He's on his bike and he's throwing these inside leg kicks or he's throwing these fast question marks kicks. Like, go back and watch that fight with Morose. He circles so much. They never gives him an opportunity to really settle down. And then when he finds a, an opportunity to plant, when he catches that rhythm, he'll step in, throw something. And I think that's where Kelleher is going to have to try to capitalize, not overcommit and leave his hands down, but wait for the timing, cut him off. And as he's following, being comfortable switching stance. So if he's circling, if I'm orthodox, he's circling to my left. If he's circling to my right, which is to um, Nurmagomedov's left, Instead of switching his stance and following like a robot, switch his stance and subtly adjust to a southpaw and look to head him off and maybe go on like a big hook and a head kick or a straight jab. So now you're going with a javelin attack and now he's going to have to get out of the way one way or the other, either slipping or circling or level changing underneath. Now I can line up the hook, uh, my straight with my left, or I can line up, line up a knee or I can land, line up a, a leg kick or a head kick on the outside, but he's got to be careful if he throws a leg kick and he catches it. Um, those are the type of things you got to be careful of with a guy like Umar. But at the same time, I think if you could cut him off, try to find a home for his strikes, or if he tries to go back the other way, switching but not getting square. Because as you're following and you're doing like that gradual switch, in that position where you're square like this and when they're circling and you're square like that, if they can step in and crack you while both your feet are planted forward and facing them, it's going to be hard for you to really move and get an angle. So that's going to be a tough position. So he's got to make sure that he's doing it the right way. Uh, his, his head's got to be in the game. And he's got to believe he can win from Bell number one. Can't be getting confident throughout the fight and realizing he's in the fight. He's got to realize Umar's another man, just like the rest of us. He's a younger kid. Uh, one fight in the UFC. This is an opportunity to really stamp his name. Uh, I thought it was really funny that him tweeting to Connor like, do you want to be in my corner for this against Khabib? Because I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Definitely some funny, some some brownie points for that one, for him and to Connor. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. It would be great if um, Kelleher can get the upset. It's going to be really, really tough to do because this guy's grappling is very, very good. But I'm pulling for him. And um, I think Kelleher has the skill set to win. He's got a nasty guillotine. And we know if Umar is shooting that, that, uh, that double leg, if Kelleher could get him flustered and cause him to take a bad... Uh, reactive takedown shot. He can set up that patented guillotine that he's hit so many, so many times on me in training, like in back in the past, back in the days, and uh, even what he's done a couple times in in the, his UFC career. So, and just in his career in general. So I'm lo I'm looking forward to this one. This is gonna be a fun fight. I think it's like the third fight of the night. Um, outside of that, Kelleher is a plus four seventy five underdog and umar is a minus 675 favorite so that is huge odds odds and even if you don't believe keller is gonna win i'm just talking to the random people out there this is a good fight and a good opportunity for you to make a lot of money because if there's a chance for an upset i do think it's this one uh umar's good 
but I think Kelleher is well-versed where he has sound cardio. He doesn't get tired. And I think, uh, like I said, he hits hard. He cracked Hunter Zorro with that check left hook. And it's just one of those things when he lands, as he says, boom. You know, he, he, he can crack. He's short. He's stocky. He's compact. He hits hard. He's got a good squeeze. And I think that could be all he needs for the recipe for an upset. So I'm looking forward to this one. And I can't wait to see it go down. Um, guys, if you like this shit, hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. And uh, we'll be back again. We'll do this sometime soon. So I hope you guys like my shit. If you do, subscribe to my shit. We'll spin it back this, baby. I'll see you guys next time. Peace. Yes, sir.